Hey friends, welcome to the brand new Rutgers Chi Alpha podcast. Here's a small recording from our recent Monday Night Live meeting. Hope you enjoy. So I get to sit here tonight and we are going to break up on a new topic by uh, which is called discipleship by design. And we'll just, uh, we'll be breaking this uh, out a little bit. But my, uh, my co-host here tonight is uh, Shravya Pilot. And she is a cell biology and neuroscience um, major at Rutgers. You graduated in May. You're taking a couple of extra classes. But I bet you there's a couple of things that not many people really know about you. So you're kind of like an onion. You got like several layers to you. I mean, you may just look and say, all right, this is a really highly intelligent woman here, but you're actually also a green belt in karate, right? Um, I just found out tonight that you were a yo-yo champion. Isn't that true? Yeah. Okay. So the yo-yo champion. And um, I also understand that you're the Miss America for Woodbridge Academy High School, which we didn't really understand. And you've also auditioned for the Avengers. So, that I mean, it's true. yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you get all of this done? That's really what I really want to know. Well, thank you so much, Dr. B. Well, um, thank you, Dr. S. So, I mean, you know, together we are doctors BS. So on that note, we are going to continue to move on. So this kind of, uh, at this time of the year, um, when we're approaching finals, we've been talking a lot about discipleship over this over this past semester, and one of the one of the really uh, key things in the leadership development of Kaiapa, which we want to be people that really builds leaders, one of those key parts of the leadership development, not just for Kaiapa itself, but for even for the rest of our lives, is this thing called D by D. What does that mean? Oh, it stands for discipleship by design. Right. Okay. And that is about six to 12 weeks of a really kind of in-depth understanding of what Jesus style and method of, of making disciples. And I think some of the content in, in D by D and discipleship by design is not only good just for college, but it's really a very good understanding um, lifelong of what Jesus's method was, his selection, how to make disciples, and even even really how to to live a disciple. Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you say that? Yeah, I agree with that too. All right. So now you went through D by D a couple of years ago, right? And uh, a lot of people go through it, and we're going to be starting doing it in the end of December. Well, actually. Um, right in the beginning of January and then in February. And we would say that if you're interested in really understanding more about what discipleship is, join us for D by day. It's going to be a, it's going to be a couple of weeks and really be excellent understanding and equipping that is really is part of a lifelong journey of really what it means to be uh, a disciple. I actually I actually love it. So what we're going to do tonight is I met with uh, Dr. Shravya. And we're gonna have a little discussion on one of the modules, one of the part of this. And the one that we're gonna be focusing on tonight is called the master's method. What is Jesus's method of discipleship? And he's really gonna talk about a couple of things that are gonna be, you know, multi-syllable words, but of course you're a neuroscience, you know, worldwide engineer brain, you know, medical somebody. So all these words are not big deal for you, but we're gonna be talking about consecration. 
Uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about impartation, demonstration, and, and then delegation. So tonight is that is that is that part. And a new a new word, well, maybe not really a new word, but consecration. I don't know if we have ever actually thought of being disciples as being consecrated. So in D by D and discipleship by design, and the author, uh, uh, and the author talks a lot about carrying your own cross. So you know, when I say carrying your own cross, Shravi, how, do, how does how does that hit you? I mean, you're a brown belt in karate, so you know you, you're kind of equipped. But what about how does that hit you? Just talk about carrying your own cross. I mean. That sounds like a hard thing to do. I've never tried that in any of my karate lessons. Okay, so that's I, one thing you it. haven't done yet, right? But Jesus says, if you want to be my disciples, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You know, and and so that seems to be almost like almost be the beginning. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to tell two stories, and the the letters are written towards an understanding of what consecration is. And then we'll define uh, what that means. So, Shravya, tell us tell us about this first letter. Sure. So this first letter was written a while back by a young communist to a Christian, and it was published in a Billy Graham newsletter. Okay. So the communist was comparing his um, doctrines with the gospel, and he acknowledged that the gospel was a more powerful weapon than his own Marxist doctrine. But he said that communism would beat Christianity, because even though the communists have fewer numbers of people. Um, they deliberately choose to give up a portion of their time, their resources, and their money to spread their propaganda. Hmm. And the communist said, how can anyone believe in the supreme value of the gospel if you do not practice it, if you do not spread it, and if you sacrifice neither time nor money for it? For it? And he said, in quotes, believe me, it is we who will win, for we believe in our communist message and we are ready to sacrifice everything, even our lives, but you, you Christians, are afraid to dirty your hands. Wow. Um, that's kind of like, uh, that's a really serious statement there. He's really coming coming at us to really consider how we view our faith in Christ and our and our commitment. The other letter that was, was talked about was written by a young revolutionary during a revolutionary war. And he wrote this letter to his fiance to explain why he was breaking up their engagement, right? I don't know that you'd want to be broken up by a letter or, um, or even a text message for that matter. But he, this is this is what he said. He goes, "We revolutionaries have a high casualty rate. Um, we are the ones who get shot, hung, ridiculed, and fired from our jobs in every way, made as uncomfortable as possible. A certain percent of us just get killed. Um, we get imprisoned." We live in virtual poverty, he said, and a certain percentage of get in prison. But he, he goes, we turn back to the party every penny that we make that is absolutely necessary above what is absolutely necessary to keep us alive. So they keep the absolute minimum. We revolutionaries do not have the time, money for many movies, concerts, T-bone steaks, um, decent homes or new cars. We have been described as sometimes fanatics. And he says, we are fanatics. Um, we are live our lives are dominated by one great overshadowing fact. And then this, we struggle for world domination. We want to win. We want to win the world. We're revolutionaries. We have a philosophy of life, which no amount of money can buy. 
We have a cause to fight for, a definite purpose in life. We subordinate our petty personal selves, he said, into a great movement of humanity. And if our personal lives seem hard or our egos appear to suffer um, through subordination to the party, then we're, we are adequately compensated by the thought that each of us in a small way is contributing something new and true for better man and better mankind. He said to this, he goes, there is one thing for which I am dead earnest about. Um, and this is this, this is the cause. It is my life. It is my business. It is my religion. It's my hobby. It is my sweetheart, my wife, my mistress, my breath and my meat. I work at it daytime, dream of it at night. It, it's hold, it's hold on me grows and it not lessens as time goes, as time goes by. He said, and he said this, he goes, I evaluate people, books, ideas, actions, according to how they affect the cause and by their attitude towards it. I've already been jailed because of my ideals and if necessary, I'm ready to go to the firing squad. Wow, that's a huge decision this revolutionary made. I'm sure it took a lot of guts. Absolutely. And this, his commitment to this cause sounds like it consumed his life. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be very much um, all, uh, all consuming. Yeah, going back to Jesus's, Jesus and his disciples, they weren't asked to make a statement of faith or recite something, but he asked them first to follow. Okay, so to be to be to be consecrated um, is something. So I wonder what kind of consecration that he's he's talking about. And discipleship by design, and um, uh, Henry, the 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 author, talks about this, and he goes, "Really, to be consecrated is to be set apart to God, and set apart to God and from the world." So. If we get practical, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, why don't you list? Let's talk about three areas in our lives which um, we have had obedience consecration issues for you in the past month. Let's just think of like three areas of life that have been obedience consecration. So like, like you're you're balancing out your commitment. You're being set apart to God to God and from the world. So what have been challenges? What have been issues for you in, in the past month? I think for me personally, a lot of it has to do with how I manage my time. Okay. Um, whether it's time spent um, having those intentional friendships with other people or setting apart time with family or setting apart time, we setting apart time to spend with God. Um, that's been a big thing that okay. I've been learning. Yeah. I would even jump off of that. I think the, um, over the past month, one of the challenges that if I look about my commitment to the cause, you know, like we we're talking about this communist and revolutionary thing, I think my time with Jesus um, versus everything else, there's always something to do. There's always something else to do. You know, time with Jesus, is that the most important thing for me to do every day? I think that's a real consecration commitment issue. Um, and then when you throw Netflix in there, it seems like there's always time for that, you know? Right. Netflix is something we've all struggled with at one point or another. And there are also a bunch of other choices we make that set us apart in terms of this world versus God. 
Hmm. and what he says to us. Um, that could be the sexual culture of this world versus the pursuit of purity to honor God. That's a real good point. Or it could be the words we say or okay. the entertainment choices we make when we watch or listen to certain things. Um, I think we have to actively choose this lifestyle every day rather than just passively let our decisions conform to what is around us. Okay. I mean, earlier you said that it's a choice to, to follow. We choose this. All right. So that, that consecration issue, Jesus was talking about um, the method to be consecrated to the gospel, to set apart to the Lord and um, from the world. The other, the other thing, not only consecration was another big word, not a big word for you because Dr. Travia, you know, pilot, multiple, you know, PhDs, whatever, how many are you going to have? I have no idea, but uh, impartation. And he talked about giving himself, giving himself away. We just mentioned those other two part about being set apart, but there's a, there is a motivation, I think in discipleship and the, the, the disciples lifestyle. And, and it's this, I would say this, and it says this in D by D, love was and is always the standard by which discipleship is judged. You know, I think that's a good point, but it's it, it it's not the kind of love, Shravia, that, um, well, do you think it's the kind of love that we see in social media? I don't think so. Yeah, probably not at all. Um, because the top of the thing, we had talked about carrying our cross, so it's probably more of a, a, of a Calvary's love that leads to service and to really laying down your lives. And Philippians says, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took up the married age servant, um, even humbled himself to the point of death, you know, so, you know, laying down our, lay down our lives. So what would you, what would you say about all this? That's really great that you pointed that out and that really captures what the essence of God's love is. So let's break this down. Okay. In order to really understand the way that God gave himself up for us, his impartation okay. and the meaning of love, we can answer these three questions. Okay. Oh, um, you got three questions. All yeah. right, go. Do you know what love is? Is Ooh. the first question. Okay. Do you know how to love? Okay. And the last one is, are you a loving person? Are you coming at me? Just my feet. Okay. <laughs> so going back to that first question, do you know what love is? Okay. We live in this world where we can say in the same sentence, I love my fiance and I love bubble tea. Okay, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, did you just release something for all of us to hear today? Like we, your fiance, I've never heard you say this before. Are you engaged? Let's go with that. Everything will be revealed in its time. So we need to. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> We need to define this concept of love to see the difference um, in our vernacular. We are called to love like God, and uh -huh. Jesus came to show God's love to humanity. All right. Um, and characteristics, these defining features of his love, is that his love is always active. Wow. It's about okay. the stuff he did. Okay. His love was displayed so that other people could see it. Okay. So it's not kind of a hidden kind of love. It's, mm -hmm. it's for other people to see even, right? Right. Didn't hide it. His love was selfless. He wasn't mm -hmm. thinking about himself first. All right. I'd have to admit, there's a lot of times where I do think of myself first. Same here. And his love was a decision rather than just an emotion. I don't know about you, but there's been lots of times where I don't really feel loving. Mm -hmm. I think I too can base my decisions on, off of what I feel in mm -hmm. the moment. Right. Okay. 
And uh, I think it was also probably holy, mm -hmm. you know, because it was really a, a reflection of who God is, like it's a holy love. We define love so, um, so different. But you have any other questions? Oh, the next question is, do you know how to love? Okay. Are you asking me personally? I mean, yeah. just like, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, let me come up with some good answers here. I think you're a little direct, you know? So, uh, but you said a little earlier, you said that the love of God was, um, just, was just defined for us by his selfless, um, purposeful and giving up himself. I, I think in order for us, Shravya, to love like Jesus, it's got to involve the same things, hmm. you know, yeah, I agree. that yeah. we've almost kind of be, be imitators, therefore, of God, as the scripture says. So selflessly giving of ourselves to the Lord um, and other Christians and people who don't know, know the Lord, uh, Jesus's first sermon in Luke 4 and Isaiah his own mission included a couple of things. What do you, what do you think that they were? Mm -hmm. I think one of those things is that love was shown to those in need. Okay. Um, Jesus knew that he was the ransom for many. That's right. why he came. Yeah. So he knew who he was and what he came to do. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for us. Um, we have this new identity in Christ and he told us what we're supposed to do. So there's this verse in first John three, 16 through 18. And okay. I'm just going to go ahead and read that. Great. This is it. how we know, yeah, what love is. Christ gave his life for us. We too then ought to give our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can he claim that he has the love of God in his heart? Dear children, our love should not be just words and talk. It must be true love, which shows itself in action. Hmm. Um, that um, you were kind of direct. Uh, a little earlier, that seems kind of direct. It is. I mean, I mean, that's... it's kind of clear what the definition of love is. I always think it's funny when I see a sign that says love is love. And a word can't define itself outside. You have to have a context of, of what that actually means. So first John does give really clear definition to that. Uh, I think there's some we in D by D discipleship by design, Travia. We read that there were some suggestions on knowing how to uh, love more effectively. You know, as a real a practical sort of way. A couple of them were 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 kind of were kind of easy. One, um, make relationships a priority. You know, I mean, you had said earlier that time was a challenge uh, for you in doing that, but you know, I've learned this. Uh, over the years is that if we want to have authentic friendships, we've got to kind of give them a high priority. You know, um, it won't just happen. We have to make time to be with our friends, but if friendship is really high priority, it will be visible in our weekly schedule. So, I mean, making friendships a priority, making community a priority, really, it's very easy to do the opposite. You don't have to do much struggle to, to isolate yourself. The other thing was this, and this is a big deal for us. Um, don't play it safe. Kind of go go all in. And we introduce these two. We introduce two words that are really powerful, difficult, and a challenge. What What do you think those two words are? I think they're transparency and <laughs> vulnerability. Okay. How were? Have you always been a very transparent person? 
I wouldn't say so, no. Have you always been a very vulnerable person? No, definitely not. Okay, um, me neither, right? And I can tell you this, transparency means this, clear enough to be seen through. Like you can see the intentions of our, of our heart. Um, and it also means this, nothing to inhibit full visibility. So we're not like hiding stuff. And that's really, that's really difficult. Um, but as we become more transparent, I think that the depth of our relationship goes a lot deeper. And even as we're, even as we're transparent to the Lord, like, oh God, you know, like everything's fine, you know, and the Lord knows everything. And we're kind of like lying to him. The other word that you had mentioned was vulnerability. And this is where it's, it's challenging a little bit. It's like, it means that we're going to be capable of being wounded. And if we've ever been wounded before, um, we try to block that from ever happening again. And therefore we block being known and we block ourselves op from opening ourselves to be known. And if one person is vulnerable, I mean, if one person is not vulnerable, another person is not gonna be vulnerable too. You know, there's this kind right. of blockage, right? So I think without transparency and vulnerability, relationships, you know, kind of remain on this on the circuit on the surface level. I remember one time uh, we were sitting, you and I were sitting in the Bush Student Center, and I asked you, I asked you, I asked you a question, and you really opened up your heart to me. I can't remember really what the subject was, is but you revealed something about you that I was just blown away uh, at your vulnerability. And I think I was vulnerable back to you, but I, I walked away from that moment of talking with you with a newfound respect and understanding of who you were as a, as a person, you know? And I think it was a really uh, a powerful moment. And then when we, when we block this, all sorts of things uh, can, can create uh, problems. But what else do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think that Jesus took a big risk when he chose to love us and do everything yeah. that he did for us. And we too are called to take those risks, to mm. develop those deeper connections. Mm. Um, we have to choose the life of danger. Um, Whoa. <laughs> All right. So there's the like way. one words that you never thought Shravi would say, choose the life of danger. Okay. We should tweet that right here. Shravi, where'd you hear that from? Oh, Shravya Pia. Yeah, she said she's lit. All right. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. So other things that we can do just to show our love to, to people around us is to create warmth in our friendships and hmm. affirm our friends. Yeah. Um, our society is out of touch with each other right now. And in some ways, it always has been. Um, some things we can do to create this warmth in our friendships are to be approachable and kind. Hmm. Listen to what other people are saying be there for people in their time of need. Um, we can share our feelings, not just our ideas and actively mm. listen. And in those conversations, rather than just seeing an issue that you need to fix or a problem or thinking about your response, we can see our friends just as Jesus sees them. Mm. Um, he sees every one of us as unique um, individuals who are worthwhile with infinite possibilities. Mm. And by seeing our friends this way, we call forth um, who they are in Christ. So let's speak this truth in love, especially this good affirming truth. Um, you know, uh, Shabby, I just gotta, I gotta say this, that um, 
you are really one of the kindest people I know. Yeah, you're so sweet. And every time that you open your mouth, there is a, there are always words of wisdom. And, you know, talking with you is really a really good listener also. Thank you. You just affirmed me and you learned really quick. Well, <laughs> thank you. I, I've been, I've been taking notes. I've been with you a couple hours today. Um, you know, the other thing is that's really good about affirming people. Um, and the last thing I think is just, you know, be real. Uh, and when we said it's about um, the community and kind of fight for the community, Paul talks about this in, in Corinthians. He addresses really the way people were treating each other and, and viewing each other, that they had been abusing their relationships um, within the Christian community. And he used the word as a, he used the body. He says, hey, the eye can't say to the arm, you don't need it because he goes that all parts are valuable and important. And the problem came, the problem was going on there is that one part thought that they were more important than the other, you know, mm -hmm. and that creates too much division, number one. And number two, it's out of an under, it's a misunderstanding of the value that God has placed upon us as individuals. We can walk into a room and think that we're inferior. Well, that's not really true because Jesus died on the cross for us. He has given us value. He stated that, that he cares for us, he loves us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And then some of us can walk into a room and think that we're better than everybody else and we're looking down on it. And that's also a misunderstanding of what God has said about us. He goes, that we're not better than the other. And I, one of the things that I've seen recently is this just the separation in society and culture about a sense of superiority. Um, you get this, you know, a lot with, you know, we have the word white supremacy that, you know, certain people think that they're better than, than other people. And we have different racial issues and a lot of injustices based upon this one fact that with me, we misunderstand the value of, of, of each other. And Romans 12, uh, uh, Romans chapter 12 says this, because do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has given you. Anything else? I think that's really great that you mentioned that. And I think a big part of that is humility. Um, right. To see God, to see others the way that God sees them. Yeah. So the last question is, are you a loving person? Okay. Coming back at me again here. <laughs> are you a lover or a taker? And that's a scary question we all have to answer at different times mm. in our lives. The bottom line to that is, are you actively loving as Jesus loved? Hmm. Um, so the question that follows up to that is how do you get there? Hmm. And this author named Coleman wrote this book called The Master Plan of Evangelism. Which is a very good book, by the way. Right. It is pretty good. And he said this quote, how else could they ever fulfill the commission for their Lord with joy and inward peace? They needed an expression of Christ so real that their lives would be filled with his presence. Evangelism had to be a burning compulsion within them, purifying their desires and guiding their thoughts. Hmm. Nothing less than a personal baptism of the Holy Spirit would suffice. The superhuman work to do, which they were called, demanded supernatural help and endowment of power from on high. Hmm. You know, um, I was just kidding when you said that about me, but I think these are very personal questions. 
that are posed to us in D by D to think, um, are you a loving person? Um, do you understand this? How do you, how do you act in this or, you know, when I, when I'm thinking before is what Rudy had said in, um, in master plan of evangelism is that it doesn't depend on all, all on me, but that Jesus promised his continual presence and the infilling of the, of the Holy spirit. I mean, if we're going to really love as God does to do so, we have got to be filled with the Holy spirit. I mean, because I don't understand, I understand love from a very worldly perspective, but I need to love as God loves, right? So am I a loving person? I'm a loving person if I'm loving as God loves us, because that is a higher ideal than anything that I may feel. So I'm thankful for this impartation of Jesus giving himself away into us. So we talked about consecration, impartation, but is there anything else? Yeah, so that next word was demonstration. Okay. In that Jesus showed his disciples how to live. All right. He didn't teach us just with his words, but also with his actions. That's true. And he showed them the way of life. Um, some things that Jesus demonstrated to his disciples were how to pray. Mm-hmm. When he said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not just go pray, but this is the way you pray. Right. He gave them that framework for prayer. He also showed them what obedience to the father looks like Hmm. Um, when he was about to go on the cross. And he said to God, not my will, but yours be done. That would a very, a very difficult statement. Right. And he just placed God, God's will above his own in Mm -hmm. that moment. Right. He showed them the authority of scripture um, when he was being tempted Jesus said again and again, it is written to show the power that his word has in our lives. Um, and that's different from, you know, oh, well, somebody else said, mm-hmm. so therefore I should do that. Somebody, But Jesus went back to the authority of scripture. Now it's written. Okay. Right. Jesus showed healing. He healed the leper, the blind man, and the paralyzed person, along with many other people who came to him in their time of need. Hmm. Um, he showed the need for compassion in ministry. And there's this verse that you were telling me about earlier Mm -hmm. that he saw the people as sheep without a shepherd. Right. And I think it's really cool how it goes back to Psalm 23, where he restores our souls. Hmm. So Jesus used stories and parables to teach his disciples. And he related everything he taught to things that happen in their everyday life. Um, His words demanded a decision from his disciples. And as we read the read those words today they demand a decision from us too hmm. that's a really 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 good point um the other thing that he talked about in d by d was his last was his last word is that was delegation and so he gave them really work to do and it was the purpose of jesus to train his disciples 12 disciples and they therefore went to change the world and they were going to he had to train them because they were going to go take over the mission of spreading the message of the gospel to the entire world. And this is and the reason that they, they did that well so that we could hear the gospel. And we need to learn how to do that. We do, you know, do smaller things first. And he had a method to this that he wanted them to understand that they would be faithful um, and responsible and they would grow in their own experiences. And the you know, the best way to ensure that something's getting done is kind of you, you walk them with it and you, and then you expect them to be that to be carried out. 
Like if you do something, they would watch or, and then you do it and they help and they do, and then you help and they do, and then you watch and they do. And then somebody else watches that you've trained something to take something. So, you know, part of our uh, thing about disciple making is that we want to make disciples who make disciples, mm-hmm. right? So we're training people to be able to uh, be able to do that. So, and Jesus sent them out in pairs, um, never really alone. And his action, he demonstrated that the kingdom work, and I love this. I think kingdom work is really uh, an experience in companionship and friends. It's a work of friends. Together with the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can we can face anything. So any last, any last thought? Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think you've said a lot of wise words. I think that it's such a relief to know that it's not dependent on us, right? but on God's love in us. And mm-hmm. he's walking through, he's walking us through all of this. So I just wanted to read this last quote by Rudy Coleman again. Well, you are the, you're the Rudy Coleman uh, quote master here. Sure. And he said his method was to get the disciples into a vital experience with God and to show them how he worked before telling them they had to do it. Okay. That's a really, that's a really good point. So as we look at some uh, breakout uh, questions, Ravina, um, if you think about all these uh, different things, we talked about consecration, impartation, uh, a demonstration and a delegation, uh, anything that stuck out to you? Sure. So I was reading through it um, earlier and I, really felt like that part where it said we've been set apart to and set apart from stuck Mm. out to me that we are set apart from the world but we've been set apart to love others the way that god did okay that's uh that's that's a real that's a real good really good point and then we'd ask that question is there anything that has been a consecration obedience issue um over this and uh about the last about the last month so being set apart to the lord and from the world Good point. I wanted to ask you about that. What stood out to you there? Well, um, there's a number of questions that you you just asked, and I took them on as very personal, which is what we're supposed to do. But I like the part where you said to me, he goes, do you know him? I mean, do you know how to love? You know, like, uh, I mean, at least, you know, the Holy Spirit can sometimes take conviction to us, and we mm-hmm. need to take that on ourselves. Um, but it was suggested to do you know how to love is that, you know, making relationships a priority, um, not playing it safe, uh, being transparent and vulnerable, those, those issues. Do you know how to love? Right. Any other points on that? Yeah, I agree with you. And with those, we create warmth in those friendships and affirm yeah. our friends right. through our words. And it's about real friendships, being real in real community. So we wanted to ask, if any of these are difficult and if they are, how come? Okay. All right. That's really, really good points. Um, Shravya, it's been an absolute joy sitting here and talking with you, Thank uh, you about discipleship. It's been great talking with you too, Brian. Thank you. I think D by D is really one of the highlights of the year when we get to go into that because it's just people sitting around around a table or now it's probably be somewhat on a Zoom call, but to talk about Jesus' method of discipleship, so practical, so deep, some really personal questions it, um, uh, that he really goes into a quite amount of depth and application because we want to make disciples 
like Jesus made disciples. So we're going to go back to Andrew and go into some breakout questions. And the questions that we'll discuss in the breakout rooms will be in the chat. Thank you, Shravya. Thank you. If you're encouraged by this message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and share it with your friends. We truly want to see the name of Jesus lifted at Rutgers. To learn more about Chi Alpha, including our gathering times and weekly life groups, visit us online at RutgersChiAlpha.com or hit us up on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed day.